Welcome to Follow Your Fire, a podcast on life, work, and purpose. Join us as we reckon with the questions, what should I do with my life? Do I have a purpose? And if so, how the heck do I figure it out? We'll hear some real stories, get some real ideas about how to find purpose, and have as much fun as we can along the way. I'm Melissa Pinnell, life coach, purpose guide, and your host on this journey. I am so glad to have you along. Hey all, welcome to episode six. I am so glad to have you. If I sound a little scratchy again, it's because I'm actually still a little under the weather. It is way harder to get better from sickness when you have a little baby that doesn't like to sleep and then I don't get to sleep and it's, it's been rough, but I love her so much. She's totally worth it. And speaking of worth it, you're about to hear a somewhat unconventional episode. But actually first, before I forget, if you're listening to this episode, can you please do me a big favor and subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes? Pretty please? I'm actually going to start reading a review on the air every week and doing shout outs in future episodes because I am super grateful for those of you that have taken the time to review. And the more you've got in there, the higher the ranking on iTunes which just means other people who don't already know about the podcast can find it when they search. And that means we can help more people figure out what to do with their life. So that's important. So please, please rate, review, subscribe, and also download the episode rather than just searching it out if that's what you do, because that also helps our ranking. Thank you so much. Anyway, as I said, you're about to hear a somewhat unconventional episode. Those of you listening to the episode the day or the week it comes out, might notice it's an interesting and kind of tense time in the world, right? It's been a weird week. It's a full moon. I guess Mercury is in retrograde, though I'm really not up on astrology, so I don't know, but I heard that. And there's this mass worry throughout the entire world about the coronavirus. People and entire cities are being quarantined. Many of us are vacillating between being extra cautious and careful and wondering what is too cautious? What is living in fear? So it's it's been kind of tense, kind of scary. Also, hand sanitizer is going for $70 a bottle online and there's a toilet paper shortage because apparently when people think about being quarantined, the number one priority is having clean booties, which honestly is very impressive to me. Good job, guys. Anyway, to top it all off, it's Friday the 13th, if you're listening to this live in 2020, which say what you will about superstition or paranormal, it's a great day to get cheap tattoos or watch cheesy, scary movies on the couch at home. Anyway, I had no idea what kind of week this would be when I first had the idea to make this episode, but it was actually inspired by burnout that I experienced myself a few weeks back. So even though I absolutely love doing this podcast, it's also a ton of work. And I realized that I was just overwhelmed and feeling kind of uninspired about editing some of the really great interviews I have in the can right now. And that felt bad. I mean, by no means was I giving up, but to use my favorite metaphor, my fire just needed some fanning. Or my fanny needed a fire is another way to look at it. When I realized Friday the 13th was coming, I got excited because I've always loved all things spooky and mysterious and paranormal. And actually back before I was a coach and before podcasts were even a thing, I had this dream to do like a mysterious and macabre show on YouTube 
or I don't know, just online, where I interviewed people about haunted encounters or haunted locations. Maybe we would tell scary stories. I've always loved this entire realm. So when I first saw that Friday the 13th was coming, I thought, ooh, how cool would it be to interview a paranormal investigator about how they got where they're at, how they decided what to do with their life, right? And I realized that I felt excited about this idea. I felt the spark for the podcast kind of reignite because it spoke to my inner child, my inner adventurer, my wannabe believer. And as I talk about in the episode, I think the more that we all lean into that voice and that spark within ourselves, the better. I mean, on face value, it doesn't make sense for a life coach to create a podcast episode on paranormal activity, right? But actually, for this one, it kind of does, because my entire platform and message with this podcast that answers the question, what should I do with my life, is to say there's a reason we have these yearnings these ideas, and creative inklings inside of us. And it's not always because they make professional sense or because other people will understand them. But I believe that in following these peripheral things that excite us and charge us up, we inevitably land closer to the path of life we should be living, which is the one that's true to ourselves and outside of other people's opinions and usually creative and unique in the way that we all begin so unique and free of societal expectations. So at this point, I know to answer these calls inside of myself. I put out a call online to see if anybody knew anybody who was a paranormal investigator, and within about two days, I had an interview secured with the guest you're about to hear, Paul Dale Roberts. Now, it's actually really cool that I was connected with Paul of all people, because he's not just like a kooky recreational ghost hunter. He's been in about a zillion of those haunted shows that play on cable TV. He's written books about paranormal activity. He speaks at conventions. And he and his wife, Deanna, are actually this really prolific team of paranormal investigators that just happen to be located in Sacramento, where I am, which was really cool. By the way, if you're interested in reading or watching anything that Paul and his wife have done, I am linking his website in the show notes which I always do with my guests. So if you're ever listening and wondering how to reach out to them, there's always a link. Anyway, a slight disclaimer about the interview. As much as I love paranormal stories and movies, I'm actually kind of a huge skeptic, and I usually spend most of my time watching and reading this stuff, explaining to myself or others why it's not real, how someone probably made it up, And wondering, you know, what parts of our psyche need to believe in ghosts and hauntings in order to explain these darker parts of a very real and often really scary world. But, you guys, whether ghosts are real or not, Paul was such a great interview. Because even though we start with what he does as a paranormal investigator, where we end up going was completely unexpected. And a testament to how incredible life can be when you follow your fire or your inner guide and march to the beat of your own drum. When I asked Paul to guest, I had no idea that he was also a former police officer in the armed forces. He was a firefighter, a journalist, an entrepreneur. He holds a current role within the government. And he also held the title of being the Sacramento disco dancing king in the 70s. How cool, right? His life has seriously been incredible and all over the place. He has followed adventure and ideas in so many ways, so many times that I began to realize there was a reason I'd connected with him out of all the people I could have followed up with. He's a shining example of how life is not made up of straight lines and right or wrong paths. If you're open and willing, life is an adventure 
where you can be all the things you may have dreamt of being when you were a kid. You don't ever have to grow up and be a finished product either. Like Paul, you can keep evolving. And as I got to know him through our interview and our conversation goes on, it's clear that Paul is doing something that we can all learn from, something that is so important to any of our journeys and something that can be ultimately the determining factor between living a safe, normal, domesticated, approved of, but slightly boring life and living a big, juicy, true-to-yourself, joy-filled, and courageous life. And that is something Theodore Roosevelt called being in the arena. This is an idea that Roosevelt shared in a much-quoted speech of his, and it'll be on my website if you want to save it. Here's the quote. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement? And who, at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly? So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Theodore Roosevelt. I am so excited to introduce you to the latest daring soul I've been lucky enough to interview, someone who has most definitely been in the arena of life and inspired me to keep getting my own face marred by dust and sweat and blood, as Roosevelt said. Paul Dale Roberts is an example of what life can be like if you're willing to be courageous and march to the beat of your own drum. Here it is. Enjoy. Paul, thank you so much for being a guest. And Paul, you're someone that I actually didn't know before getting the chance to talk to you. So I'm so interested and curious to hear more about your story. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me on the show. I have always been so interested in ghosts and ghost adventures. And when I was younger, I, I have a lot of my own stories that were more like kind of silly attempts at connecting with the other side. But I bring that up because it's something that I've always been really interested in. And I don't think I've ever actually talked to someone who really turned this into something far more professional and more serious and sort of methodical. So I'm really curious to hear about your journey. And, and also, Paul, just to kind of give you a once over of the, the arc of the show, which I believe you're somewhat familiar with, but I like to just touch on this. It's really kind of asking the question, how did you decide what to do with your life in all the different ways you've answered that question? That could be professionally, creatively. It could mean family-wise. You know, do I want to live here? Do I want to live there? And I think that you have a really interesting journey, partly because of the little I do know of it in what you do professionally and what you do outside of work. So, so I'm just going to go ahead and launch into some questions. And to begin with, I would love if you and I just pretend like we're on an elevator. We're in, let's say, a hotel, just so that we can make it sort of neutral, the location. And I get in the elevator and I look at you and I say, oh, huh, huh, huh. And you're like, whoa, that's a weird person. Why is she going, huh? <laughs> and I say, so, so what do you do? How would you answer that question? I would answer that question, I'm a paranormal investigator. 
I investigate all things paranormal. I investigate ghosts, demons, UFOs, you name it, anything unknown, anything out of the box, I go after. Wow. And I will bet, I will bet that after you say that, people are loaded with questions. So I guess, I guess as I ask that and you say, it's anything that's not normal. And that really calls into question, you know, we live in this world that has deemed some things normal and some things not, but I know what you mean when you say that. So let's, I would love to hear about, you know, a day in the life. What is an example of a call that you guys might go on? Or maybe you can give us a story of something that was something that happened. I have, I do have a good, really good story. Okay. When I became a paranormal investigator, I almost quit because I wasn't experiencing anything paranormal and it really concerned me. And sure, we got the EVPs, electronic voice phenomenon, but then I said, those could be voices from another room. I'm just not seeing it. I'm not feeling it. I'm about ready to quit. Well, we went to this one house in Citrus Heights and then everything happened in this place. I had 15 scouts. And the 15 scouts are paranormal investigators in training. So I had five in one room, five in another room, and five in another room. While 10 of them are falling asleep because nothing's happening. I go into this one bedroom, and you can actually hear a little girl giggling. And I go, wow, do you hear that? And they go, yeah, we're recording it. But I can't see her. But I can definitely hear her. And she giggles again and I put my head down I go hello and she goes hello and I go holy you know what there's no little girl in that room there's only men but yet you can hear that little girl giggling and then she says hello to me but that made me a believer that case wow that is a really crazy story there was that point in time where I almost quit and then that one case brought me on and held on to me so what was going through your mind you hear a little girl talking there's no little girl in the room what what does that feel like was it scary was it exciting was it what was the feeling for you it was scary for the people the scouts uh, because they're paranormal investigators and training but it wasn't scary for me it was thrilling i was thrilled to death i mean anytime i experience anything paranormal to me, it's a thrill. Um, if I see a ghost, I'm running up to it. I want to get right in his face and go, who are you? What are you? You know, so I'm just very, very curious. I mean, even like when we do a UFO hunt, if a UFO were to land and the aliens were trying to coax me to come into the UFO, I would go. I Because I, I just hope that they don't, probe me in any way but i would go because i was so curious i want to i want to know where they came from uh how long have they been observing us um what's all the technology in the ufo have they been recording us i mean i want to know all of that so yeah i would definitely go inside paul you have to promise me that if you get abducted by a ufo probed or not that while you're there, you're going to ask them if they'll appear on my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. We have a deal. 
I experienced the paranormal at a young age and it led me down to the path of being a paranormal investigator. I didn't know I was going to become a paranormal investigator, but it just led me down that path. Everything that I experienced in this one house as a child, it made me think, I, I go, was that childhood nightmares or was I experiencing the paranormal? And the things that happened to me as a child, it was actually very terrifying. So anyway, it led me down that path. And uh, when I joined the Army, I worked with CID, Criminal Investigation Division, with the Drug Suppression Team. So that gave me my investigative skills over in Germany. So I was busting people for drugs and all this sort of stuff. Later on, I became a 97 Bravo with military intelligence. Oh, wait, and I'm stop you. What does that mean? 97 Bravo is an is, is intelligence analyst. I worked with image interpreters, and they would look at a sitmap or images of North Korea and Red China. But one particular day, six photographs came in. And on these six photographs, on the back of the photograph, it said intelligent movement. And if you look at the photo, there were six different types of UFOs taken by our reconnaissance satellites in outer space. Later on, J. Allen Hynek came to realize that the Air Force is doing a major cover-up, uh, suppressing all this information from American citizens, and that UFOs were most likely extraterrestrial. So when I saw those six photographs, I knew at that time that the military or military intelligence realized that there is something going on. That led me down the path of being a paranormal investigator because now you know, I'm really curious about the UFO phenomenon. I'm curious about ghosts. I'm curious about demons, poltergeists, you name it. I want to know all about it. So I did some private investigation work. One day I met a person. They said, hey, Paul, you know, you know so much about the paranormal. Why don't you join us on a ghost hunt? So I was also to a journalist. So I was writing stories for uh, different magazines, and I was in the comic book field. So I was interviewing comic book creators. I was getting published in magazines. I had a monthly article in some other magazine out of the Caribbean. Just yeah. all kinds of stuff. I have to stop you. I feel like we've skipped over some stuff, and this is really interesting part of your journey. So, so uh, just to, to kind of like give a broad overview for those listening. So it sounds like when you were young, if we we're going to kind of go timeline-wise, you were a kid who obviously was feeling all sorts of connected to spirits or hauntings or whatever you'd like to call it, but it opened this sort of, opened this sort of interest within you. So then when you got older, it sounds like you joined uh, the military, sort of where you honed investigation and real research skills. So I'm guessing that this sort of continued to fan that flame of interest in, in paranormal. And what was going on for you you know, because I think what also is really fascinating about you and anyone who has an interest like this is that you, you juggle or balance both the paranormal investigation and this really strong passion that, that you've been quite successful in and 
a job, right? I mean, you were in the armed forces. Was there any kind of doubt that was within you at that point? I would say there was actually no doubt. I mean, for me to be in military intelligence and for those six photographs for me to see, it made me really interested on UFO activity. I was already interested in ghosts. I was already interested in demons and stuff like that. But now it took me into a different realm of the paranormal. So sounds like it just if anything, it sounds like it just grew, like it added mm-hmm. another layer to an interest that was already there. And right. Did you leave the military and then start working as a journalist? But that was a quick jump and I was like, whoa, that's really interesting. What happened there? Well, from 1973 to 1976, I was in the Army, and that's where I was doing the Criminal Investigation Division, Drug Suppression Team. I had a three-year break, so then I started working for the state government, and I got involved a little bit with comic books. And I said, okay, well, let me interview this comic book artist, I mean, this artist, this writer, So I just started doing the comic book thing. And then 1979, I went back into the service. And that's when I joined military intelligence. So and then I got out in 86. And I still got involved with the comic book thing. Don't laugh. But also, too, if you look it up, if you Google my name, Paul Dale Roberts Disco, in the 70s, I was the disco king. So I was also, too, very much involved with dancing. But it had nothing to do with the paranormal. So hey. I try to skip that part. <laughs> oh, hey, Paul, just so you know, that's the whole point of this podcast is that we all go on these very almost unpredictable journeys that the childhood version of us would have been like, wait, what? You became a disco dancer? Which, by the way, I already knew that because I already Googled you. <laughs> oh, okay. I, okay, I found- you saw that, yeah. I found your credit as a dancer and I was like, oh, that is so cool. But there's nothing, there's no agenda here. Like I'm asking you this interview because of of your interest in paranormal activity, but I want to hear your story and in all of its different kind of variants and forms. So I love that. And and speaking of the comic books, I'm I'm interested, did you like create a job writing about these people, these artists and these writers? Did you get hired into some sort of, I don't know, journal or like newspaper? How did that come to be? Yeah, what I did was I started my own newsletter. And I, I would ask these comic book creators, artists and writers, can I interview you? Well, my, all of a sudden my newsletter started to become popular. More and more people wanted it. And they liked my interviews. And before I knew it, I had magazines saying, hey, do you want to work for our magazine and interview comic book creators? So I go, yeah, that would be great. So that was my step in becoming a journalist. And when I got into the paranormal, then paranormal magazines, like right now, I work for Paranormal Underground Magazine along with my wife. I work for Phenomena Magazine along with my wife because she writes stories too and the stories that you tell like i'm so fascinated and i'm also i think that something i've always sort of juggled myself is this extreme interest in paranormal activity and also very strong skepticism 
where it's like, as soon as I start to think, oh, like when I've had my own kind of interactions or experiences, I, I immediately have this whiplash of this part of my brain that's like, oh, come on, that's, that's not real. We can explain that. And I bring this up because I am guessing that Paul, when you and Deanna are out in the world telling these stories, I'm guessing you also run up across people who are like, oh, that's total BS. Uh, you're making that up. And I really want to hear how you respond to those people. We publish a lot of stories uh, on the internet. Um, we publish a lot of videos on the internet. And I get sometimes haunted by trolls. These people who want to say bad comments about your story or whatever, or they'll say, this is total BS. It happens. And the worst thing to punish them for what they're doing is just to ignore them. And that's what I do. I ignore them. Um, if I'm confronted face to face, okay. I said, well, why don't you join us on an investigation? And so I'll have a skeptic join us on a very haunted investigation. And a lot of times the skeptics will walk out being a believer because of the evidence that we pull up and everything else. Um, sometimes not. And that's fine. If they don't want to believe it, they don't have to. Um, I don't get all, you know, crazy or shook up about it. It's like, okay, well, you don't believe it. You don't believe it. You know, but I'm just telling you the story, you know, I think that's a really great way to go about this. And I mean, we, we live in an interesting age, right? We all sort of somewhat exist on the internet. And that is the prime territory for people who, I mean, people will say things to you online that they would never say to your face. And so I do think you're right. Ignoring people is very helpful. And I think the reason I'm asking this question as well is that you, you have this sort of fringe interest and something that the, the lay people of the world might think of as unconventional. And I think that's really impressive and admirable whenever we as people hold close interests or passions that the culture might deem not as streamlined or not as normal, quote unquote. So Paul, I'm really interested in, I know that you also have a day job that isn't exactly the same as what you do. And, but I also don't know much about it. So if you could talk a little bit about what you do for work, I would love to hear about that. And so would the listeners. I actually work for the government. I'm not going to actually say what department because that could probably kind of get me in trouble. So anyway, but it's... Hey guys, I'm jumping in here to let you know that you're about to hear some weird noises. And I don't want you to think it's the recording. I mean... It is the recording, but we had some interestingly timed interference every time I asked Paul about his normal job, his other job. I left it in so that you all could hear how conspicuous the sound issues were. It was really strange. All right, here you go. It's a job where we have to uh, monitor and maintain, let's say, Paul, can you hear me? Something weird's happening. Paul, can you still hear me? Yes. 
Sorry, it's yes, I can weird. hear you. Maybe we have some uh, paranormal activity going on because suddenly you, <clears throat> you froze and I heard bop, 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 bop. It was kind of creepy. <clears throat> I'm only wow. saying that because I'm talking to a paranormal investigator. So I'm like, I don't know. Maybe that was some sort of phenomenon. So, okay. You were telling us that you're going to be pretty big, but you work for the government and it's a role where, and then we started to hear. Oh, yeah. It's a role where we... Hey guys, I'm back again. So after a few tries, Paul did end up telling me more about his work. We just had to sift through all of that very interestingly timed interference first. And he mentioned earlier that he didn't want to share what department of the government he works in, just in case he would get in trouble. I don't know. I just decided to edit out the details around his job because I want to make sure we protect his anonymity since that seemed important. And I'm just going to highlight for you guys the question that I asked him, it was really just kind of asking, what are some of the skills you use at work? And he mentioned that he has a job in the government where he manages and supervises people. He encourages and mentors his staff. He facilitates tasks that need to get done. He trains people. He helps customers. He helps his team. And most importantly, he gets to have all kinds of adventures. So, all right, I'm going to get back to the interview now. Here you go. Did you freeze or are you thinking? We maintain. Paul, if you can. The, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not supposed to hear what you do for work. Can you hear me? Wow. It's so strange. Well, it, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe there's some kind of government thing going on where they're taking that part out. That in itself is pretty interesting. I, I do have a cool job. Yeah. You kind of have two cool jobs. I mean, if we're looking yeah. at the job as the thing that pays your bills and then the paranormal investigation as this passion, project, creativity. And if you don't mind me asking, I'm guessing you make a little bit of money there too because of all the other work you do. Oh, yeah. Well, we sometimes on investigations, if we have to travel a good distance, the occupants who called us to investigate their house, they'll give us a donation. Um, we write books. My wife and I, we both write books. So people who buy our books will get a profit from that. Oh, sometimes, uh, conventions, um, they'll have us, will have us as a guest speaker. They'll pay us for that. Um, ghost of it, uh, as a location scout, we were paid. So it, just different things like that. And I ask that, you know, I think part of my job is to be a little bit nosy only because I think one of the things that people face when they are deciding how to spend their time is often also how to pay their bills. And I love to shed light on journeys like yours that are a combination of both, that you have this job that actually sounds really cool, right? This job that pays your bills where you stand with your coffee and you supervise these projects and ensure that this part of the government is running well. And also you're able to incorporate this other intense interest and be able to pay some of your bills with it. So I bring up the finances because I know that that's something as a coach, when people are trying to kind of take this panorama of their life and say, all right, well, I really care about this thing. How can I either A, monetize it, or B, be able to feed myself and still pursue it? So I appreciate you going into that and, and explaining that a little bit. 
And I also, I want to ask you a question that I like to ask every guest because we now sort of have a little snapshot of your current life, your government job, obviously love your wife. I can tell you and Deanna have a lot in common and this really strong connection, this paranormal activity arena that you're sought after for interviews and information and documentation. But when you were a kid, little Paul, maybe he was eight, nine years old. If someone would have asked you in class, so Paul, what do you want to be when you grow up? What would you have said back then? Well, when I was a little boy, I wanted to be, I think, four things. I wanted to be a fireman. I wanted to be a cop. I wanted to be an entertainer. And I wanted to be an astronaut. I've accomplished three, but one I didn't accomplish. One, I was a fireman for a very short time, like a year and a half. I was working with the California Division of Forestry, which is now Cal Fire in Colfax. And the reason why I quit, it's a, it's a dangerous job. I, I went into this one fire, I'll tell you the story real quick, but we were over in the Sierras and the captain tells me, he goes, Paul, put out this spot fire, a little tiny fire. And I was trying to put it out and then I turned around and there's flames 20 feet high. And all of a sudden the captain's going, robbers, get in that fire, get into the roots of the fire. So I'm getting into the roots of the fire, but I can feel the intensity of the heat on my cheeks and on my hair. I could smell my hair. And I couldn't take it anymore. And the captain kept on yelling at me, get in the roots of the fire. Well, I'm not going to get myself burned up. I threw down that hose. The hose went like this. I went up to the truck and crushed my arms. And, and he goes, the captain goes, Roberts, get down from the truck. And I go, no. And I'm not going to say, what I said. But anyway, later on that night, the captain came up to me and goes, Paul, he goes, sometimes a job's not made for a person. And I don't think this job's made for you. And I go, it isn't. It isn't. And I have to quit. I respect firemen because they are heroes. I could not take it. That was just too much for me. Yeah. So anyway, that was one job I had. I, I just want to interject and say, I really appreciate you sharing that because I think that's a very common story and one that people don't always feel comfortable sharing, which is that, A, I had this dream, I pursued it, and either it didn't work out or it didn't work out with me, right? Like kind of like a breakup. The job broke up with me or I broke up with the job. And I really appreciate you going down that path because that's a fact of a lot of our lives where there might have been this goal and, and the real important part that I'm going to glean from that is that you pursued it because had you never, ever gotten in that situation, and I can hear as you tell the story, the detail with which you remember it. So I can tell this is one of those flashbulb memories that they call them. And had you never been there, we might be having a different conversation where you say, well, you know, I wonder what it would have been like. Like, I kind of wish I would have pursued this. You did. You didn't like it. It didn't like you. There we go. So thank you for telling that story. And, and so then let's see, what were the other ones? One of them was, uh, oh. let you continue. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I wanted to be a cop. So I got to do that. So I got to work with the drug suppression team, CID in Germany. That was cool. And did the narc thing. And the entertainer, 
Well, I am sort of an entertainer because I've been on Ghost Adventures and I've been on Haunted Hospitals, Penn and Teller's show. And it actually lists me on IMDb as an actor. So, yeah, okay. So I, yeah, so I accomplished that. The one occupation that I did not accomplish is being an astronaut. But what I did was, on one of my books, there's a picture of me on the cover, and behind me is like the uh, picture of a starship. So it looks like I'm actually in outer space. So in the fictional world, I'm an astronaut, but in the real world, no. I love that. I love that so much. And, and also, if you ever get abducted, it's kind of like becoming an astronaut, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? If, if you're yeah, listening, right. extraterrestrials, we have one more arena that Paul needs to pursue. <laughs> but <laughs> what I love about that story, too, is it's something I used to ask guests, and sometimes I still do. Something I also like to hear is, if you could split yourself into multiple people, what would you be doing? And the child version of you really did that. I love the dreams we have as children that little Paul was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to be a cop and a fireman and an astronaut and an entertainer. And Paul, you did it. So I actually really appreciate that you traveled down those roads because that's another, I think, misconception that I know that I had when I was younger. I thought I needed to pick something and stick with it. I thought if I started down a road, like say I wanted to be a firefighter. I figured I better be sure because if I, you know, go to whatever school there is and get trained and certified and, and then climb through the ranks and actually am face to face with a fire, think of all that time I wasted if it didn't work out. And I say that because that's uh, not true, obviously. What is true is that when we pursue these things, we get to know ourselves. I think one of the most effective ways to figure out what you want is to figure out what you don't want. Right. Right. So, right. So I really appreciate that your life is one that's had a couple different choose your own adventures. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been to 59 countries and territories in the military. I was 12 years in the military. So I got to travel a lot and I told myself and I promised myself, I said, even though I'm out of the military, I'm going to keep on traveling internationally because I was hooked. I was, I was bitten by the travel bug. I mean, everything that I wanted to do, I feel accomplished. I feel like I'm, I did it. With my, my sense of adventure, I mean, I wanted to learn how to fly a, a, a private airplane. And I took lessons. I didn't pursue and I didn't get my license, but I actually flew a private airplane. It's something I wanted to do. I wanted to fly a helicopter. I did that. Didn't get my license, but I did it. Oh, parasailing. When I went to Thailand, I went to Padawa Island and they had parasailing. I said, well, this is my chance. I got to parasail. So I got to snorkel in Tahiti and stuff like that. I just, I love, I do, I, I, I embrace life. I just want to accomplish as many things as I can. I want to leave my legacy. I want to impact someone's life. Even like, like with this podcast, I mean, it's an adventurous thing. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I definitely have a journalist within me that is like, hey, I think this would be a cool podcast. I think I'm going to make it. Kind of like you said, hey, I think I want to write about comics and writers and artists. I think I'm just going to start doing it. 
And I think that's a really important quality that all of us, I, I know that it took me a while to cultivate it myself, which is realizing that we can create the things that we want. We don't have to wait for someone to give us the job or give us permission or say, I am making you a writer. We can start writing or start investigating. It's really nice to know that someone come back to you and they go, hey, Paul, you, you put this information out. I read it. I used it and it worked, you know? So I'm actually impacting that person's life and it's just really cool. Like you with your podcast, all the different people that you interview, they're learning from it. So you're impacting a lot of people's lives. I definitely hope so. That is completely part of why I do this. And also something that I have tried to stay true to in my story is I also just kind of follow wherever my interest and heart leads. And that isn't in a selfish way. Like, well, if I'm interested, I'm going to do it. It's more that I think if I really dive into my own interest and passion and follow my fire, that's the name of my business and, and the podcast, following that fire within of what really kind of lights us up and makes us feel alive. I think that those are inherently valuable to others. I think when you go for it in whatever sense that is, whether it's making a podcast, jumping out of a plane, publishing some writing, whatever it is, I think that it gives other people permission to also follow their own inner fire or kind of those wild ideas that feel sort of ludicrous even at times. So I, I both, I feel both that I really hope this helps people and I want it to impact people. And also, Paul, the whole reason we're talking is because I'm super interested in ghosts and I'm a life coach. Those two things don't necessarily go together, but I'm finding a way to link them because I think it's so fascinating to talk to someone who has pursued this area with their life and is also sort of like a functioning, fully formed, respected member of society. Because once again, former Melissa, 20-year-old Melissa, who sat there like, oh, what do I do with my life? What do I choose? I always thought it was either or, black or white. But it's not. It's both and more. And I am Dr. Seuss tonight. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a poet. So, so I would love to turn the questions back to you. This is such a fun area to explore. So thank you for sort of diving down there with me. But I, I would love to hear... What for you, you know, as we talk about your legacy and how you want to be remembered, we talk about how you love life and, and what your day-to-day -day is like. What is the definition of success for you? If you were to really define what a successful life looks like for you, what is that? Something that will have an everlasting effect upon this world. Not money. It's something that lives on after you're gone but we're actually never actually ever gone but but when i'm gone my physical body is gone there's still part of me still upon this world my books my articles my tv appearances whatever and it's things that'll still have an impact on society after my physical body is gone energy lives forever and the soul itself is pure energy, and it continues on and on and on. Things that we do here on Earth, 
will never be erased. It's always going to be here. There's a, like a thing called the Akashic Records. All the knowledge of the universe goes into the Akashic Records. So even like this podcast will eventually go into the Akashic Records. I just had this idea. I think that you remember how years ago they sent out that disc into space and on it was all this information for anyone out there who might somehow receive it. So it was like music and all these different languages and pictures of the human body. And I just thought, you know, if they do that again, maybe they'll send my podcast out into space. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I have big goals over here. <laughs> I think that something I'm really curious about with your story, Paul, is what are the things that you find most valuable? Like, what are your values? I can tell your wife and that relationship is a really strong value. So I'm going to say family is probably one of yours. You said money's not. And so I would love to hear, what are the things that you really value and you've cultivated in your life? Yeah, I'm not a material type person. So yeah, family is very important. So my wife's important and my two dogs, very important. I love my two dogs. <laughs> and I even take care of some feral cats that hang out in my backyard. So those, like, I'm a real big animal lover. So animals are very important to my life. I mean, to have the feral cat hang out in my backyard I mean, it enriches my soul. I, I love the little guy, you know, so, and to feed him, and he gets all happy and stuff like that. So those things are very important to me. My writing is important to me. I, I love to write. If I go through a period of time where I miss a few days where I'm not writing, it really bothers me. Uh, money's not important, really. Uh, I'll never be a billionaire or anything like that, but I live comfortably. So I'm happy with that. I like my job. So yeah, all those little things are happening. But like you said, but it's my family and my animals and stuff like that. So yeah, those are important. I think it's interesting that the first things that you talked about, which were Deanna, your dogs, the cats, are all your connections to these close living things things almost sounds too cold but there are these connections that you have and relationships and I, I find it interesting and really neat because then this other really big part of your life this other really big interest which is investigating abnormal energy and sounds and one could say things associated with not being alive at least not in the way that we recognize it so you're, you're sort of this dichotomy of the closest and most important things to you are these living, breathing things that depend on you and you depend on them. And I know that feeling. I'm, I'm myself a huge animal lover and I'm obsessed with my cats. I have built cardboard houses in the backyard for the wild cats around here. So, so with that, I just, think it's a, I just think it's interesting to recognize these things in ourselves, these sort of contradictions. And something that you said, I remembered what thought it was in my head when you were talking earlier. There's this line from one of my favorite songs, this artist called Iron and Wine. And the line from the song is, in our days, we will live like our ghosts will live. And I've always just kind of paused when I heard it, because what it's saying is, you know, whether you believe in ghosts or not, all of us, when we die, at least for a while, there's a reverberation. People who knew us, 
people who worked with us, who were friends with us, ideas we shared are ghosts, right? In whatever sense you want to say that. And those ghosts will live the way that we did. So if we were kind or if we were kind of snippy or if we were not very nice or if we were really funny, you know, whatever these, these actions that we have every day that can seem kind of trivial, right? All of us wake up and we go to work or, you know, we give a coffee to our spouse or, you know, these actions that feel very not important. That is how our ghosts will live. And I like to come back to that, especially as I'm talking to a paranormal investigator, because in whatever form we live on, we're going to. And it's a question I think everyone, it feels big, right? When you wake up on a Tuesday morning to say, how will my ghost <laughs> live? But if we can ask that as often as we can, it really helps me and those that I've worked with to zoom out. And really, if we kind of think of our life as an arc, like a movie, we can always keep asking, well, what's the theme? Am I the character that people root, they're rooting for because I'm kind and I'm really earnest and I have a good heart? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to keep going like this. Or no, I'm not. Like I've had moments in my life where I've really had to look at it at my life and say, you know, I'm not, I'm the villain right now. I'm not the person you're rooting for. And what now? And that's where we can chart a new course. And that's a huge platform I stand on. We are never finished products. I don't care if I interview someone who's 105 years old. I want to hear, so, you know, what are your plans? <laughs> so, so, Paul, thank you so much for your time and just for your honesty and willingness to explore. I know that we kind of, that we sort of started this interview on the grounds of, you're a paranormal investigator. That is so cool. And it is. And so much of why I wanted to talk to you is to hear about how you arrived here and what got you to this place. So I really appreciate your willingness to share all that. Uh, and thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. If you liked what you heard today, please pass this podcast along to someone you know who would benefit. It would also be awesome if you would subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It's how we attract new guests, reach more people, and ultimately change the world. I mean, imagine what kind of world we'd live in if everyone was doing something they actually wanted to do with their life. Speaking of which, if you want to help find new purpose or figuring out what the heck to do with your life, hit me up. It's what I do as a coach. Introduce you to your highest, clearest, and most badass, brave self. I promise that's the version of you the world most needs. If you're interested in coaching, would like to join my email list, or if you know someone who'd be a great guest on this podcast, shoot me an email at followyourfire at gmail.com. That's followyourfire at gmail.com. Until next time, follow those fires, my peaches. Yeah.